0: Hey guys, welcome to the Self-Evident Podcast. It is Sunday night, 7 p.m. We are live tonight. You may notice Massey is not here. Why is that? Because he is actually going to be picking up the wife and the kids from the airport, so he will not be able to be here tonight, but you will be here with me. And we got our new boy in the seat. We got Croft We had a sad replacement of Richard, but man, we're excited to have Croft. He is killing it already. Croft, you ready to go, man? Oh, yeah, for sure. All right. So, guys, I'm not even going to do the normal plugs. We'll get into the plugs later. We're going to get into a controversy that kind of spilled over for Joe Rogan. Everybody loves him. Everybody hates him. He's one of those guys. Now, I don't care who he is. The guy signed a $100 million contract with Spotify, like, he doesn't He doesn't need to worry about other people's opinions at this point, but he kind of caused a stir, and so we're going to run through that whole scenario. Now, before we do that, we are going to work through some other stuff that's going on related to the situation. Now, there is one thing that I want to give you a heads up on. The stuff we're going to be talking about tonight possibly could get us uh, shut down, throttled, Whatever you want to call it. So, if that happens, um, I don't believe that'll happen through YouTube. So, you could check out YouTube if Facebook gets rid of us. Otherwise, do check us out on Spotify. Spotify has all of our stuff. Um, So far, they haven't done anything with us. Otherwise, SoundCloud has all of our stuff, Apple Podcasts. You've got the areas that you can check it out. If something happens to this cast, we'll continue recording. And if we have to, we'll repost. But until then, Croft, I gave you a ton of slides. Are you ready to hammer through those slides? Oh, yeah. All right, let's do it. Okay, so news bits, which kind of just leads into the main topic of tonight. I'm going to say that dreaded word. Let's see what happens. Ivermectin. Rogan caught serious flack for taking ivermectin. So we're going to kind of go through it. Now, here's the deal. I am not giving you medical advice. I'm not telling you to take it. I'm not telling you this is the cure-all the wonder drug. What I'm going after is this, this attitude, this narrative against it. And what you're hearing a lot is just whipped up chaos all over it. And so I wanted to cut through some of that and give you a little bit of a taste of, okay, what is this? Where does it come from? Is it really that horrible, awful, evil thing that nobody should ever take ever, right? So let's start actually in Ohio. Let's go to slide one. There was an Ohio judge who actually ruled that a hospital must treat a Covid patient with ivermectin. You may wonder, okay, why is a judge getting involved in the medical affairs of a private c- citizen? There is actually a an issue with that. um and and I'll get into that in a second, but let's let's start the scene. The wife and legal guardian, got a prescription written for it for her husband, who was in ICU. He was not doing well. He was on his last leg. They tried everything else. But the hospital refused to actually carry out the script. And he was on a ventilator for weeks. He was done for. She said, let's try one last thing. Her main argument was that everything else had been tried and there was no other protocol, so why not give it a shot? Now, the judge ended up ordering the doctor to actually go through with the procedure and give the person ivermectin. Now, I haven't found anything that says how he's doing, so I'm not going to say, and he got better, miracle cure. The worst part is, though, this isn't the only time that this has happened. There was also a 68-year-old woman in Illinois who received it after her family had sued the hospital. The judge... Now, this is where I do appreciate the judge. The judge refused to force the nurses to administer it and also denied a request to hold the hospital in contempt of court. So at least the court was staying their hand. Now, you may say, but they need to do what the patient wants. Here's what needs to happen. The patient has to have the right to find somebody else that will do what they're asking for. But once you get into that territory of forcing a medical professional to do something that they feel Conviction against doing, guess what? All of a sudden, you're forcing nurses with sincerely held religious beliefs to participate in abortion. A doctor has to have the right to say, I'm not comfortable doing this procedure. I have something against doing this and doing what this patient is asking because I don't feel it's in the patient's best interest. And you can argue that these doctors are more politically in the whole thing then they should be, all of that. We need to protect freedom of association. So what happened was the doctor or the judge said, look, you have to allow the family to find a doctor who's willing to do this. And so that's what the hospital did. They found a doctor who was willing to administer ivermectin and they, the hospital gave that doctor visiting credentials. And so the doctor was able to come in and administer it. No word on how that person is doing either. But there's another case in New York. It's reported that New York Supreme Court judge ordered a hospital to give the drug. And an 80-year-old woman survived because of that, as per the articles that are coming out of Buffalo. In the case, the woman had started the treatment in ICU. Okay, so the hospital itself had started the treatment, was transferred to another section in the hospital, and that section refused. So the family had to sue in order to get the hospital to continue the treatment. That gets a little bit dicey because one area of the hospital is saying yes, the other one saying no. This tells you the, the chaos around this. And you might think, boy, this must be a very dangerous thing if we've got this back and forth that's going on. But the question is, is it really? One thing that I wanted to, to point out, because we've had questions where people have asked, Can I force a doctor to give me a treatment? Basically, the answer is no. So, on uh, medicaljustice.com, and this was this a was quick, cursory look, I want you to do your own research. What I have found this said patient noncompliance or bad conduct that impedes the doctor's ability to render proper care, or a patient's demand that the doctor engage in care that the doctor believes is fruitless or harmful, or exceeds the doctor's own expertise are all valid bases to refuse to treat. The underlying issue is that the doctor is required to adhere to the standard of care, so may refuse involvement in care that falls below that due to patient actions requests. In other words, if the doctor feels this is going to harm you, this is not going to help you, that doctor can refuse treatment. Now, the sensible side of us would say, If the person's on the last leg and you've tried everything else and there's nothing else you can do, if the guardian is saying, let's try it, maybe go for it. And part of the problem is the news and the media, and we're going to get into them a little bit and kind of point out the just craziness of all of that. Um, Hi, guys. I just saw these. Hi, Peggy. Hi, Jonathan. Carol, how are you doing? Um, Let's see. So, the Rogan topic. rogan I call this Rogan and the Karens. I like that title. You like that, Croft? Yeah. That's a good one. So, slide two. Let's get into it. Did you guys hear Rogan caught COVID? Did you hear that he had a night of headache, fever, and sweats? Did you also hear that he had one difficult day? And did you hear how he took the horrible, no-good, very bad ivermectin? and here we go it's time to delve into it okay this is not an argument for its use against covid this is an attack on all of the news sources that say how awful and untested this thing is it's only for animals blah blah blah. usa today themselves said and this this was one of those articles written about rogan the drug ivermectin has been approved by the food and drug administration for use by people and animals to treat parasitic infections primarily in livestock. Using any treatment for COVID-19 that's not approved or authorized by the FDA, unless part of a clinical trial, can cause serious harm, the agency said on its website. FDA said this, you are not a horse, you are not a cow, seriously, y'all, stop it. Oh, my goodness. Is it just me or is this, our government becomes so cringe. Everything they do right now is cringe. The FDA is coming out saying, you're not a horse, and you're not a cow, so you know, just stop it. If I need jokes and memes, I'll go to 4chan. I'm not going to the FDA. In fact, I don't want the FDA. So keep screwing up, so we'll defund you guys, and we'll be done with you. But notice the leading of the reader in this whole thing. Primarily in livestock, not approved, is pretty much all people see it's not approved for COVID-19. It's been approved by the FDA since the late 90s. Well, let's go back to the history of this stuff though. So it got approved in the late 90s, but where did it come from? So ivermectin was developed in the 1970s. It was used in animals to fight a lot of parasites. It was doing really well with animals. They found out in the 70s that it could actually be used for humans with great success. It was great. It was perfect. The best drug ever. It was used to battle river blindness, which is a parasite where the worms, and this is gross, just to help you understand: hey, this drug did something good. The worms are transmitted through the bite of a black fly and they multiply. Now you may think, ah, oh, a couple of worms. That's that's kind of bad, but whatever. Female worms can release up to 1,000 baby worms a day for 10 to 14 years. That is a lot of worms. They can cause skin rashes, lesions, itching, edema, and depigmentation. can also invade the eye and cause visual impairments and loss of vision, being the second leading cause of blindness caused by an infectious disease. This drug was also used to battle elephantiasis, as well as a range of parasites, including gastrointestinal roundworms, lungworms, mites, lice, hornflies, as well as ticks. Ticks and lice. It's being used to treat hundreds of millions of people free of charge around the world. This drug has been around for decades. And one of the beautiful parts of this drug is that it has very low side effects. It's a very trusted, reliable drug. So when you see these news articles that come out and say, it's not approved for people, it's mostly for livestock, and don't you dare take it, they're doing a switch and bait on you. So if you go to your local feed store, yeah, you probably shouldn't pick it off the shelf when it says four horses, right? But what they're doing to you is saying, this drug is not really useful for humans. It's mostly for animals. Once in a while, we tried it on a human. Hundreds of millions of times, this drug has been used on humans with great success. So instead, what they're saying is, for the world's poorest, yeah, perfect. For Americans, it'll kill you! Don't take it! What annoys me about this is this game of overgeneralizations. It's a game of of narratives. It's a game of bait and switch. You have to understand the history behind this stuff. We, we did the history on hydroxychloroquine a while ago. Um, drugs been around for what? 50, 60 years. It, it was used great in with great success in drugs for uh, or for malaria with little to no side effects. Were there possibly side effects in some cases? Yes, absolutely. But guess what? Same thing for the vaccine. Now, There was something that happened in Rolling Stone that really tells you why this is frustrating me. So Rolling Stone claimed, in a completely bogus story, completely bogus, they claim against this drug. So they cited an ER doctor in, uh, what was it, Oklahoma. Dr. Jason McKellie claimed That people were overdosing on ivermectin horse dewormer and are causing emergency rooms to, and I quote, be so backed up that gunshot victims were having hard times getting access to health facilities. He even said, the scariest one that I've heard of and seen is people coming in with vision loss. How many gunshot victims do we have in Oklahoma day to day? Anybody? It's not Chicago, but let's continue because Rolling Stone obviously did not do their homework. Hospital Rolling Stone mentioned he works for issued a statement. Ah, thank you. Although Dr. Jason McEllier is not an employee of NHS Sequoia, he is affiliated with a medical staffing group that provides coverage for our emergency room. With that said... Dr. McKellie has not worked at our Salisaw location in over two months. In other words, this guy ain't speaking for us. NHS Sequoia has not treated any patients due to complications related to taking ivermectin. This includes not treating any patients for ivermectin overdose. Oops. All patients who have visited our emergency room have received medical attention as appropriate. In other words, nobody's waiting. Don't worry about it. Come on in. We're okay. Our hospitals have not had to turn away any patients seeking emergency care. And they didn't say this, but I would want to say this in this letter, especially any gunshot victims. We want to reassure our community that our staff is working hard to provide quality health care to all patients. We appreciate the opportunity to clarify this issue, and as always, we value our community's support. And according to Scott Schaefer, the Managing Director of the Oklahoma Center for Poison and Drug Information... Since the beginning of May, we've received reports of 11 people being exposed to ivermectin. He told the New York Daily News, which is still pushing the ivermectin overdose story, despite the fact. So 11 people in the entire state since May. Okay, so let's go to slide three. Let's do this. So... If you are listening on Spotify or SoundCloud, I do encourage you to check out the video either on YouTube or on Facebook. And the reason is because I've collected some studies. Now, understand these are not the exhaustive studies to say, hey, this is perfect. Go for it. It's Wonder Drug. What I'm trying to point out to you is what you're hearing in the news right now is that this drug will kill everybody who ever takes it. When in fact, it's kind of wrong. So, this study. Notice the write-up was written in February of 2011. What that tells you is it's not in the middle of this narrative battle that's going on around this drug. It's, it's outside that whole thing. So it's it's more of a neutral idea or a, a neutral cause to figure out, hey, is this good or not? So this tells the whole history of it and how useful it is. Let's go to slide four. So this study was in April of 2020. So this showed promise of ivermectin inhibiting the replication of COVID. So there's there's something there. That's what we have to understand is, okay, there's something here. Now, it may not pan out that it's this perfect wonder drug, but at least we have, okay, there is some evidence. What you're being told, especially with a lot of these news media sources, is You have no evidence. You have nothing. It's killing everybody. Stop even talking about it. Now, you bring up hydroxychloroquine. It, I think, the evidence ended up petering out that it it wasn't a wonder drug, but hey, it was probably helping, especially with a Z pack. Um, That seemed to be the evidence that came out was yeah, this this could be useful with a Z pack. It seems to have some effect. I think ivermectin's the same place. And what's funny is Joe Rogan, get this, Joe Rogan, and I read it, but you probably didn't catch it, was really sick for one day. And everybody flipped out that he had COVID. Ah, see, he didn't get the vaccine. He doesn't believe in this. See, he got COVID. Yeah, he had a night of fever and sweats. And he's fine. He's good and he even said, look, I I credit modern medicine. Now, (laughs) my guess is he was kind of dropping a hint of, you know, I was taking this drug and I seem to be better. One of the things that seems to be filtering through on this drug is that it's more effective early on in the early stages. Very well could be that once you get in a later stage. Now, I've also heard anecdotal evidence that it's very useful on a ventilator that it seems to help and bring people off. The thing is, once we decide to close our minds to something and forbid anybody from trying it that wants to try it, we end up removing our opportunity for exploration and experimentation. You have people who are willing to do it. You have people who are saying, put me on this, please. And we have doctors who are refusing to do that instead of saying, okay, sign this waiver. You understand this hasn't been tested. Let's, if you're willing to do this, let's see what happens. Maybe this will be useful. When you let the the narrative and the messaging get in the way of finding the solution, which we've seen from our White House and our administration day after day, We saw them try to cover up the narrative in order to protect themselves. You had Biden do it with the whole Afghanistan kerfluffle, right? He goes out there and says, it's all Trump's fault. And then a couple of days later says, it was great. We did perfect. Nothing wrong. Nothing to see here. Move on, folks. We got out early. So they try to cover, and, and anything that goes against the narrative, look at Fauci. Anything that goes against his narrative that he's saying that day is something that he's decided you're not allowed to even discuss. And he got on Rogan's case for talking about vaccines and all of that. And Rogan saying, look, I don't think young people probably really need it. And Rogan even says, look, I'm not a medical expert. FYI, I'm not a medical expert. What I'm doing is I'm gathering data and research and I'm gathering information. I'm I'm putting it out there for you so you can check it. You can take a look. And I want you to. I don't want you to just take my word for it. I want you to go out and check it out. But we get this idea that the experts are, those are the ones, those are the only people who are allowed to tell you what to think or say or do when Fauci has proven time and time again that he has no clue what he's talking about. We don't need masks. We need masks. We don't need masks. We need masks. We need need two masks. We need three masks. We don't want vaccines because, you know, it's going to take years, decades, especially because Trump's in office. Oh, Biden's in office? We need vaccines. One vaccine, two vaccines. Well, now probably three vaccines. You know, Israel's up to like four or five vaccines. Where does it stop? Where does it stop? Pretty soon, they'll have you believing you need to get jabbed every six months for something that has a 99.8% survival rate. Anybody else going crazy about this? And, okay, while I'm at it, okay, now you got me started, Croft. Thank you. While I'm at it, dude, we have, what, 68%, 70% vaccinated? Adults in the U.S. right now, something like that. It's like 68, 70 percent, somewhere around there. They're talking about cases going up. They're talking about deaths going up. You want to know who they point the fingers at? The unvaccinated. My question to you is, if the vast majority of Americans are vaccinated and the vaccines are so great and powerful and beautiful and perfect, wouldn't cases still go down? Because 68 to 70 percent of adults are already vaccinated against it. How could we possibly have cases shooting through the roof and deaths shooting through the roof if it's that 30% that aren't getting vaccinated? Uh Uh-oh. Shouldn't you still see a drastic reduction? Or maybe what it is is your vaccines aren't as powerful against the Delta variant, which puts us all back in the same pool. I'm not arguing against vaccines. Hear me out. I'm not arguing against vaccines. What I'm saying is, let's have a little sensibility in all of this discussion because what you find is, oh, you didn't get vaccinated, second class. Or you got vaccinated, man, mark of the beast. Stop with the crazy talk. Stop going off about all of this stuff. If you have conviction and issue about the vaccine, you're more than welcome to talk about it with other people. But remember, It is other people's choice. And if you've had the vaccine, guess what? You're protected. Supposedly. Can't help but add that in there. You are protected. That's why you got the vaccine. You didn't do it for everybody else. You did it for yourself. That's okay. I don't take my vitamins and and eat my steak for everybody else. I do it for me to help protect me. The same thing with a vaccine. You're doing it for your health. You're doing it for your good. Maybe you have loved ones at home. You're like, you know what? I just, I, I really want to try to protect myself. And that way I can protect them. Great. Get them vaccinated as well. Then they're protected. But this whole game of shooting back and forth at each other, it's not going to end well. And they have you pointing your guns at each other. They do. They have you playing this game of tribalism. It's time to stop the tribalism. It's time to stop looking at guys like Fauci and say, well, whatever he says goes. Instead, you have to look at your research for yourself. Make your own informed decision. And if somebody else is going to try to coerce you to make their decision, that should send up a red flag. And that's what's really coming to play in today's world is coercion and force. No longer is it you have a decision for yourself to make. Now it's, I'm going to force you to do what I want you to do. They are not your rulers. They are your employees. You hear me? They are your employees. You would never allow your employee to storm into your office and say, you are going to get vaccinated with whatever I want you to get vaccinated. You're out. You consent to be governed, but you don't have to consent to be governed. You can say, "I've lost confidence in you. You're not doing what you're supposed to be doing." And this is why it's so important to be taking over those school boards and those city councils and those county commissions. Now is the time, and the and the Republicans are actually, or the conservatives, I should say, are actually doing that in force. They've realized it and woken up. So I want to encourage you. They're grabbing up seats, and it's time for you to start grabbing up seats. What office should you be running for? Or what person should you be helping to run? What position is yours? You're like, I can't do that. It's you. As soon as you say, I could never do that, eh, you're probably one of the better ones for it. Because you're not interested in the gain of it. You're interested in the principle of getting the job done. George Washington refused to be king. They offered it to him. The same people who just fought a bloody war to remove a king from over them looked at a guy and said, now you, because you're good. And in 20 years when he dies and the next king comes into play, this, so another, another little trail, history fact, did you know Alexander Hamilton, during the Constitutional Convention, actually argued to build a monarchy very similar to what England had. He said, they've got the best government in the world. We might as well model ourselves after it, including the executive being able to serve for life at his pleasure. How short of memories people have. You have to remember that. (laughs) Get it? have a memory to remember how short memory is for other people who can't remember. Say that 10 times fast. This type of stuff, you you the the inches are taken for people. They'll take an inch, they'll take an inch, they'll take an inch. You'll forget that you used to be standing half a mile back, but now you're here because they've inched you that way. I was listening to a discussion, actually, on, on the Tim Pool podcast. They're talking about Australia's Orwellian authoritarian, tyrannical nightmare that's going on there. And there were a couple of people who have connections to Australia. One girl was from there, and then the other guy, he, his wife is from there. And they were talking about the conscience consciousness of Australians. They don't care at all and they're so used to a government over them and government just they do what's right and they they protect me that they have taken willingly to being locked down in their homes for how long now almost 2 years and so much so that the police are beating people in public for not wearing a mask and pulling out all the stops to arrest eight teenagers. They're standing on the beach and finding them what it, like $5,000 a piece. And basically coming on the TV and say, you will not leave your room. Oh, I, there was another thing. You're allowed an hour out of your house a day. Boy, that sounds like maximum security, doesn't it? But if you get your vaccine, you get an extra hour out of freedom a day. Talk about incentives, Talk about incentives right? I want my free hour. <laughs> Give me that vaccine. But they're so used to it that there's no sense of revolution within them. And what's what's interesting is the conversation geared towards guns. There's no Second Amendment. And if think about it this way. Stay with me. If you have a Second Amendment, you have this, this philosophy deep within you of, I can defend myself and defend my rights. Especially on a personal, individual basis. I can defend my home. I have what I need, personally speaking, I have what I need to defend my home and I will protect it at all costs. And that radiates out to the sense of I have ownership over something and I will protect and defend that thing and I have the tools to do it. Now imagine what would happen if you took away all of the tools that somebody had to be able to defend themselves where does the psychology go? It goes into somebody who is completely submitted to everything because they don't even think about defending themselves. That all they can think is I have to obey because I can't defend myself. And, and that goes to the subconscious to where they have never practiced defending themselves. And so therefore they never think of anything as an encroachment upon them. They lay down and submit because there's, there's no opportunity or option to flex that muscle. And so now you have a people over the generations who have been completely disarmed, completely disarmed. A cop comes up, A, they trust the cop because they say, well, government's here to protect me. And B, there's no sense of, they've infringed on my rights. I need to defend my rights. And so what you have is a populace that is completely submitted and obedient. And you think about... All of those regimes over the world who try to disarm their populace, why is it? It builds in a sense of just submitting to what's going on. You know, you think about what happened in Nazi Germany, right? What is it, Godwin's Law? Nazi Germany gets brought up no matter what on the internet. But I I think a lot about the Jews getting crammed into smaller and smaller districts in their city. And, and, well, leave more stuff behind, move closer. Leave more stuff behind, move closer. And they, they got crammed into these tiny little ghettos where then they got shipped off on train cars. And what, what I always think about and what all of us should think about is how many of them were there versus how many guards or Germans? Or like in the camps, in Auschwitz, how many guards were there actually? Yeah, they've got guns, but how many people were there? Now this is so they just they didn't know what they were doing. They, there's a psychological thing to it, and and for lack of a a better thing to bring up, Gulag Archipelago actually brings up this idea. Um, there was a revolt in one of the camps, and they they held out. They had their hunger strikes. Now, what did it do in the end? Not much, but at least there was some fight and some grip. That's why we need to continue to have the fight and the grit so we don't get to that point. And so that's my little aside. So let's go back. <laughs> let's continue this. So I, I want to go through a couple of these studies just to give you a little bit of information. Let's hop over to slide six. So yeah, um, hopefully he's got the right one. All right. So June 21st, is that the right one? Yes. Okay, cool. It it should say at the top, June 21st. Yeah. So, Ivervectin for prevention and treatment of COVID-19 infection is systematic review, meta-analysis, and trail sequential analysis to inform clinical guidelines. Meta-analysis. So, they take a bunch of trials, they take a bunch of studies, put it together, and then they analyze it. So, the conclusion says, moderate certainty evidence finds that large reductions in COVID-19 deaths are possible using Ivervectin. Vectin. June 21st, guys, using ivermectin early in the clinical course may reduce numbers progressing to severe disease. The apparent safety and low cost suggest that ivermectin is likely to have a significant impact on the SARS-CoV-2 pandemic globally. Let's go to the next slide. This one's May 6th. Effects of ivermectin in patients with COVID-19, a multi-centered, double-blind, randomized, controlled clinical trial. The implications of it, a single dose of ivermectin was well-tolerated in symptomatic patients with COVID-19, and important clinical features of COVID-19 were improved with ivermectin use, including dyspnea, cough, lymphopenia, lymphopenia, I'm not a doctor. Further studies with larger sample sizes, different drug doses, dosing intervals, and durations, especially in different stages of the disease, may be useful in understanding the potential clinical benefits of Vibromectin. In other words, hey, there may be something to this, and that's what my frustration is. Let's go to slide number eight. This study says that it has shown effective pharmacological activity towards various infective agents, including viruses. This paper proposes an alternative mechanism of action for this drug that makes it capable of having an antiviral action also against the novel coronavirus, in addition to the processes already reported in literature. There's another study, which I don't have a slide for this, but another study published several months ago in the American Journal of Therapeutics concluded meta-analysis based on 18 randomized controlled treatment trials of ivermectin and COVID-19 have found large, statistically significant reductions in mortality, time to clinical recovery, and time to viral clearance. Furthermore, Results from numerous controlled prophylactic trials report significantly reduced risks of contracting COVID 19 with the regular use of ivermectin. Finally, the many examples of ivermectin distribution campaigns leading to rapid population wide decreases in morbidity and mortality indicate that an oral agent effective in all phases of COVID 19 has been identified. Did you see what just got said there? Results from numerous controlled prophylaxis in other words preventative trials report significantly reduced risks of contracting covid-19 with the regular use of ivermectin finally the many examples of ivermectin distribution campaigns leading to rapid population-wide decreases in morbidity and mortality indicate that an oral agent effective in all phases has been identified in other words it might just be threatening the vaccine Just putting it out there. Not going all Alex Jones on you, but you never know. (laughs) By the way, Japanese Medical Association recently endorsed ivermectin for COVID while the CDC cautioned against it. Is that hitting anybody else? Anybody else? Like, yeah, something's odd. (laughs) Odd. (sighs) So, let's see. Destiny said, Amen, since all these issues have progressed, I've had a conviction to speak up more about these issues regardless of what my generation thinks, says, and regardless that what I believe will make me unpopular. Absolutely. Amen to that, Destiny, and continue to speak your mind. You won't know all the information. I don't know all the information. Massey doesn't. Croft doesn't. But we do our best. And we stand on the convictions that are on our heart. And the more we learn from the Lord how to walk forward, the more assurance we have from him. And when you walk in complete faith, the, the arrows of the enemy are not as hurtful. Right? What is it? Shield of faith? Which means... Somebody can attack you for what you believe in your conviction. And you honestly, you start to look at them with pity. I, I've talked about this. Maybe I talked about this on the podcast. I don't know if I did. Maybe it was at, at Young Adults. Um, I was listening to a guy who, who's atheist. And he was talking about Christians. And he was talking about how the miracles in the Bible, those were all myths. And so, you know, miracles don't happen anymore. So you know, the Christians, they're, they're crazy with their whole miracle lie. And inside, five years ago, I would have been unsettled about the whole thing. But inside today, its it was almost a laugh out of me. It's like, he really doesn't know what he's talking about, does he? I've seen the miracles. I've been um, company to them, associate to them. We have people who have been healed miraculously at our church. And my experience in the Lord has helped solidify my faith to where now I hear somebody talking about something like miracles and I go, he just doesn't know. He's never been witness to it. And there's actually a presupposition that happens with people a lot of times in that whole realm. They, they, their first step is they believe miracles don't happen. So then they believe that everybody who's talking about a miracle is lying. And so, therefore, that proves that miracles don't happen, especially because they've never seen one. But you notice the presupposition that they always start with is miracles don't happen. And if you get them down to the nuts and bolts of it, that's really their presupposition that they build off of. Instead of, I wonder what happens if the miracles are real. Because then all of a sudden, you cannot determine that every single person is a liar. You have to inspect case by case. And you can't do that. And my question to you is, of all of the examples of miracles in the world, after all of these centuries, are you willing to put your hand on the table and say, not a single one was real? Are you willing to do that? Now, you may take more of a medium line and say, well, they could be placebo effect, could be the mind. That's fair for us to start having discussions but you still have to then investigate cases you can't just determine uh ah, well it's all placebo effect because then you've just stepped back into step number 1 <sighs> peggy says my question is why do they want 100% of us people vaccinated is there something sinister or is it all about control that's a great question peggy and i'm i'll i'll do this i'll go this route so I tend to try and stay away from that type of thing. And Peggy, it's it's no insult to you. Um, I appreciate the question. I try to stay away from that type of thing because then I have to start making conclusions about what's going on. And But I'm going to step out on this because I think you guys deserve to hear kind of where I'm at on all of this. And I don't speak for Massey. I don't speak for Croft, Kerry, Kerry, nobody. This is Mike. I think what's going on personally with 100% vaccination is they've moved the goalposts so many times that they don't know what they're looking for. And I do think there are some, at the very least, greedy incentives in the whole thing. We've shown before on the podcast, Fauci's connections to the farm pharmaceutical companies, to the, the Wuhan lab himself. You know, through intermediaries, there seems to be a lot of give and take in the whole process between the pharmaceuticals and the government and and the CDC and the who and the the FDA and all that. like there there's this just combination that's going on. That's at the most shallow level. At the deepest level, you could argue that there is a sense of we want to get everybody used to submitting. Now, whether it's conscious or subconscious, we want to get everybody used to submitting. Now, me, where I stand and I think is going on is I see it as spiritual. I don't see the vaccine as the mark of the beast. But what I do see it as is an exercise in getting people to submit blindly. Getting them to just say, You're right, I'll do whatever you want. I've found some information about these vaccines that I'm not going to talk about publicly because I haven't I haven't verified it enough to where I'm willing to to. Step out onto the podcast and say it, but I found some information that makes me think there's more behind some of these vaccines than they're willing to let you know about, and that gets into a whole another realm, especially in the sense that this was used as emergency use of authorization until recently, which means you were the guinea pigs, you were the experimental study, they were gathering the data off of you, and spiritually, I think there's a lot of control and submitting that's going on right now. I do not say it as, if you got the vaccine, you're following Satan. That's not what I'm saying. I think it's the larger context of everybody needs to do this. Because once you get a population that has given up its defensiveness and its, its sacred honor of private property as a whole, then all of a sudden, you've got a very malleable population that you can do what you want with. And Scripture says that principalities and kingdoms are at play here, spiritually. So there are principalities that are happening in the U.S., in the Middle East, in Asia, in Europe, all of that. And scripturally, there's there's obvious evidence for that because it was uh, Daniel, right? I think it was Daniel who was praying. And Gabriel says, Well, I, I got stopped by the prince of Persia, I believe it was. And and they were fighting. And, and Gabriel was not talking about some human prince, he was talking about angelic, demonic angel or, or uh satanic angelic being. And Michael, the archangel, had to come and help Gabriel fight in order that Gabriel could get away in order to go give the message to Daniel. So there is this sense of principalities in charge of different areas and things at play. And I think what's going on is, especially in America, there is a principality in charge. And Andrew says, amen, Andrew, faith over fear, God wins. Absolutely. And I think that's, that's a deeper thing of when the church is getting looked at with more scrutiny is because the church seems to be the last one that really is as a whole kind of pushing against this whole, you will submit idea. And that's the faith of the, of the church that says, no, we, we listen to the Lord. We'll do what the Lord tells us to do. And guess what? The Lord's not telling us to do what you want us to do. There are Christians who feel convicted to get the vaccine. Do what the Lord is telling you to do. That's the beauty of the Lord. And some people say, well, won't he tell everybody to do the same thing? Different parts of the body do different things. There may be a reason for, the, for why the Lord is telling somebody to do it and somebody else not to do it. And you have to seek him out on that. Now, I do think there are plenty of Christians who are just, they aren't really listening to the Lord. They've just told themselves, I'm doing a good thing, and so therefore I'm doing the Lord's will. Satan comes as an angel of light. So you have to be careful about that type of attitude. Well, I I do good work, so therefore I'm doing the Lord's will. Be careful. Follow the Lord's will, and you will do right. To round this out for for what's going on in all of this, pay attention to the news media and what they're actually saying. If you notice with Rogan, that's why I love this topic, is with Rogan, it was totally he's taking horse drugs and he's, he's crazy and he's an anti-vaxxer and he almost died. And they, they, they embellish all of it and they try to spin you on it. And I know our audience is, is usually pretty good about the news, right? It comes from both sides. Don't forget spin happens both ways. And it's not just Fox news. That'll spin stuff. Okay. Conservatives love their tinfoil hats. Liberals do too, but conservatives do too. All of us love our tinfoil hats. So you've got to be careful. You've got to weigh things out. You've got to look at the research. You've got to look at the history of something and see, okay, what's the history of this whole movement or this idea or this narrative? What's going on around it? What other parts are there? And that's why we do what we do, because I want to help you kind of navigate this realm and, and get an idea of what's going on in the world. And have some answers when instead of reading the Joe Rogan article, oh, Ivermectin, that that's only for cows. Why, why is he taking a cow thing? That's, that's, that's horrible. He's going to die. No, now you have the information. Started getting used on humans in 1970. It's been used on hundreds of millions of people around the world over the decades. And it's been used with great success and very low rates of side effects. Now, it was used for parasites, but I just showed you studies that also showed, hey, this could be useful against viruses. Hey, this could be useful against COVID. There seems to be some significant data to that. Once we start pulling back the layers, we find some things. And that's that's why I'm here is to just help you kind of find some things. Now, you may come back with some studies that say, see, this shows that it was insignificant. That's true. I've got a study that shows it was significant. So we're kind of back to the basics. So then we go into the studies and figure out, okay, how well was this study done? That's kind of out of the purview of this podcast, just because I it would take me forever to go through those studies and really determine, okay, is this a good one or is it not? But I want you to at least have the information that, hey, some of this is out there. Let's parse it out. Do your own research, says Croft. We need to get you a mic, bro. So... Life lessons. I want to end this on life lessons. Reconcile with family. Reconcile with your brethren. This has been on my heart. You see a lot of issue going on in the body of conflict and battle and arguments. And one of the things that I'm realizing more and more is that The conflict is not important. The mission of Christ is the most important thing. And when I see people leave a church, say, because they had a a personal issue with somebody else, it breaks my heart because basically what you're saying is, well, I can't get over this with them. And so I'm going to leave what God's doing here. Reconcile. Your issue with your friends, with your family, with your church members, you really have to step back and decide, is this worth it? Is this battle worth it? Is this hill the one to die on, let alone the fact we're called to love our enemies? And guess what? If you are in conflict with your brethren, with your brother or sister, they're technically your enemy at that point, yet you're still called to love them. You're still called to show the love of Christ to them. And one thing that I, I see happening, which if, of course is going to happen because Satan is trying to divide and create dissension. As he sees things grow and speed up, he's going to try and do more and more and more. Bury it. And I don't mean hide it. I mean, get rid of it. Be done with it. Find the reconciliation you need. And it may not be that you are best friends anymore. It may not be that you you hang out you know, like brother and sister every day again. But there can at least be an understanding of they need to be here and so do I. And, and we may still have some issue we got to work out and that'll take a little while, but they need to be here and so do I. Because the mission of Christ is more important than this that's going on. And I think if you can step back and see it in that, that greater scope, you'll find that you realize this is minute. this is details. What's more important is what God is doing here and what I'm supposed to be doing for the Lord. And when that happens, you tend to look at the issue and you go, you know what? It wasn't that big of a deal. Yeah, I was offended by what they said, or yeah, I was, I was hurt by how they acted towards me. But the body of evidence is so much greater of who they are with me. Or you may even say, you know what? They're just not really a good person. And and I don't know that I want to be around them anymore. Fair. It's still called to love them. Still called to be there with them. Because you're brethren. You're parts of the body. You can't cast them out. You have to figure out how to reconcile. And I've seen it where reconciliation doesn't happen and a person goes from person to person to person to person and they have fallout with all of these people. And then they leave. Because guess what? They've burned all their bridges. So who's it really about? Is it really about God or is it about them? And how other people aren't treating them the way that they want to be treated. Those people how they treat you should not be as important as who you are with the Lord. Because when you are firm with the Lord and walking forward and full of faith, it is what it is. God will solve it. And I'm humble enough to know where I've done wrong in this. Boy, I I, I really hurt that person. I really turned that person down. I, I really short-sighted that person. Man, I this is where I'm wrong. When you start to have that humility in the reconciliation, you learn how to handle other people. And you learn that they have their own shortcomings, their own mistakes, their own areas where you need to have mercy and grace for them. And so that's the life lesson that, that I bring to the table this week, is reconcile. It's the mission for Christ. All that other stuff, keep moving forward for the Lord heal where you can heal, love always, reconcile when you can, always forgive. So do not forget to check us out on SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, all of the stuff, YouTube's, Facebook's, the Instagram's, all of it. We need your support. I'm going to do a quick little plug. Please stay with me on this. We need Torchbearers. Torchbearers is our monthly club where you know that your money is getting put towards getting the gospel and the message of liberty out to people, starting brush fires around the nation. You have to understand we don't just go to an event and talk about the founding fathers and leave We're there praying for people, ministering to people. We're, we're reaching for Christ. We're praying healing over people. We're there to be evangelists with a pastoral and a historian side of it. Please, guys, think about supporting us monthly. You can go to theselfevidenttruth.com. You can sign up. You can go to 1776truth.store, buy some merch, and we've got some stuff that will be rolling out soon for those who are members of the Torchbearers. We've got some ideas of some things that we want to do with this, um, including content for you guys. But please think about supporting because we need to get out there and get back. We need to pay payroll. We need to have the equipment that we need to use to get out there and give the message to people. It takes time, money, resources, blood, sweat, tears. And we keep you updated on what we're doing and where we're going. So that being said, Guys, I just want to say I love you. Peggy, thank you. Thank you for the support. Tuning into this thing, supporting us, giving the shares, the likes, the comments, all of that. We just, we love where this is going. We love to pour our hearts out. We love to give you Christ. We love to give our thoughts on what's going on in the world. And be sure, guys, thank you, Micah. Micah, you are a dear friend. Love you, man. Thank you for supporting, bro. Keep tuning in and let us know if you want us to cover other stuff. We love you guys very much. I will see you next week. Massey will be here next week too. We'll take care. Carol, thank you. Love you guys. God bless. Have a great night. Love you.